Good morning, everybody. I ran out of, hu- they cut my hugging time short today, so uh, I owe you, all right? Don't ever leave here and go, Pastor didn't hug me. I go, I leave here and go, you didn't hug me. That's the way I, that's the way I look at it. Uh, it just helps me to be able to get my hands on you, to know that you're here, to, and, and I think of you and pray for you during the week. That's just, I remember that way real well. Well, what an incredible blessing season it's been, has it not? Oh, my lands. Uh, The Christmas jar testimonies and stories are beginning to pour in. Incredible things. We'll share those with you. Just the generosity has been off the charts, and we are so thankful for that. And then a lot of you know, but uh, we had our midweek worship as far as the 21 Jumpstart, and we had just, uh, I think we fed over 350 people. And we probably had a good number, over 400 here for worship and many online. I didn't even check how many we had online. But isn't that a great time together? And we just need it. So we're in the middle of 21 Jumpstart, really at the beginning. And, and you can still jump in and get, we're all doing a Devo together, Overflow. It's really good. It's, it's not lengthy, but you can chew on it. And uh, there's still a bracelet that you can have. Again, it's a, it's a reminder to you, but it's also a reminder to others. What's that? What's that about? Oh, it's about living transformed. You can, you can tell them about that, okay? So I think there still may be uh, supplies available out there and really encourage you to do that. All right, everybody doing all right? Is anybody bitter that it's snowing outside? Oh, I'm sorry, I love it. I love it. Thinks, my pastor, my first pastor used to say, think snow, and it just made people mad. He put signs up and everything, you know, but he was from Texas or whatever, so he didn't have to deal with it uh, all his life. All right, so really, we kind of did a transitional message. All through the blessing season, we were talking about making room, getting rid of distractions and bitterness and all kinds of things, control, like Mary, be it unto me, let it be to me according to your will, Father. That's a place of living. It says palms up living. You know, and and here's the thing that we stress, and and, and we say it carefully, we, we do that because Jesus is our Savior, and that happens when we go to the cross and we, we receive him, all that he did on it for us, we confess, we repent, we turn from our sin and turn toward him, and we embrace him. But that's not the end of it, because he's not only our Savior, but he is our Lord. That require, and, and that's what we're talking about now, really, this living transformed piece of our, of our whole vision frame. Living transformed means Every day we wake up realizing that he is Lord of all. And if he's the Lord of all, if he created and sustained all that is, then how many of you know that it's you and I also are in that loop and we need to live lives of, of absolute surrender every single day. And most of the places where we get stuck are, are areas where we haven't surrendered. And it's not that thing in particular, but that thing represents a lack of unconditional surrender. And when it's only a territorial surrender, it's gonna lead to problems spiritually. Are you with me on that? So we trust him, we trust him. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna delve into God's word. I'm gonna read you a kind of a lengthy story with some comments today and we're gonna, we're gonna dive in as we talk about this series, Living Transformed. And, and I've kind of lined up several P words for this and this one's pick change, okay? In other words, choose change, but, but pick it, decide you choose because it is decision. So here we are, the first Sunday of the new year. Isn't that hard to believe already? And uh, and I think a lot of you are feeling it, and, and I know from being a pastor and a youth pastor for many years, that this time after a high point of a blessing season or a difficult whatever it's been, sometimes we get in this little trough or a valley of the, of the January, February, and we need, to, we need to practice spiritual disciplines if we're gonna fight through some of this, okay? 
and have optimism of his grace. So we come into a new year, and a lot of us have thought about it, I hope we have, that we wanna make some choices, we wanna make some change choices because we wanna keep the change. We don't wanna just have a little, a little sprint, you know. Races aren't, races aren't measured at the start gate, they're, they're measured at the finish line, aren't they? And I, I don't know about you, but, but I wanna run all the way through, and I wanna be better at the end of the year than I was at the start, how about you? So, so we're making choices, we're making change choices. So, so uh, Jesus said uh, it, after he, in his ministry here, he said to his disciples, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, now, here's what I want you to do because you've seen, you've been with me, you've witnessed all these things. I want you to go all into all the world and tell everyone, I want you to tell everywhere and his disciples did exactly that. They carried his message of hope and healing, wholeness forward, and they did it all the way to Rome where Paul actually testified before the powers that be. So because of that, it was life-changing. Those people that were weak, those, those that deserted Jesus, that ran away when the heat was on, the Holy Spirit put starch in their backbone and they were able to stand up. And so today we're gonna talk about one of those stories. So I'm gonna invite you to, to look, look at, at scripture. I don't know what they have on the screen, but you might have it in your app or your Bible here. And I'm gonna read from the New King James Version and I'm gonna read several verses here about a story uh, that, that may be or may be not familiar to you. I'm gonna pick up in chapter three, verse one, okay? And I'll, I'll probably read it with some comments. All right. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, okay? Did you find a couple key words in there? They went up how? Together. Huh, how do you know God tends to work that way? How many of you know we're better together, not with him alone, but with each other? And they went to the temple at the ninth hour, and they were going, and by the way, I'm reading this because I, I think of the new year. We just gotta welcome the word. This whole, this whole emphasis of 21 Jumpstart, getting the word in us, getting the word in us. So we welcome the word, we welcome the word. So they were doing something, it was the hour of prayer. It wasn't just special on that day. It's what they did, all right? Verse two, and a certain layman from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily, at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. In other words, they had their, he had his tin cup out. I mean, he was asking for assistance. He just wanted money. He wanted some, some change, if you will, some spare change so that he could have, meek out, eke out a meager existence. Verse three, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, and I'm gonna switch to a larger text here that I have bolder text that I can see better. My contacts are letting me down. And fix, verse four, and fixing his eyes on him with Peter and John, with John, Peter said, look at us, look at us. How do you know that's a tough thing to get people looking in the eye now? And it's not just an eye thing, but an eye is connected to the heart. He said, look at us. So, he gave them his attention, his undivided attention, I'll add, expecting to receive something from them. Boy, was he about to be surprised. But he wasn't gonna receive what he was expecting to receive. Verse six. Then Peter said, sorry to disappoint you, guy, but silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You talk about a surprise, seven, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, 
stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Why was that significant? Because the next verse 10 says, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. How, do you know it? How many of you know that it's a really good thing to be filled with wonder and amazement at the works of God, at the wonders of God? I like to say off times, I don't know if I'm ever, at the ripe old age of 68, I don't know if I'm ever surprised by what God could do, but I never cease to be amazed. Got it? I mean, amazed is overused in our society and our culture, but I want to tell you, when it comes to stuff like this, I mean, amazing? Yeah, that's appropriate for God. Let's read on, verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them. In other words, they were watching. How many of you know that when, when you engage with Jesus, it's attractive, it's appealing, it's contagious? In the porch, which is called Solomon's, Greatly amazed, there's that word again. So when Peter saw it, oh, good old Peter, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, I'm glad he was just talking to the guys there, weren't you? Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Listen to this. Can't you just see Peter doing this? He seized the day, the moment. The servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined, Pilate was to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the, and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. I mean, he's letting them have it, isn't he? And he continues, and you basically killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. You see, and that's the power, that's the resurrection power. These former cowards were now boldly proclaiming, and Peter was the chief among them. He was boldly proclaiming his faith, and he was identifying with Jesus without fear. We are his witnesses. In other words, you can't talk us out of what we've experienced, what we've seen, what we've witnessed with our own eyes. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. We're not living in a box somewhere. We're not living in a closet somewhere. We, we, want, we want our lives to be on display because our lives are to do what? As God works in us and through us. We're to be wonders of his grace and we are to point in praise at all times, right? Because that's how people come to Jesus. Because, because they can't talk you out of what you know. They can't talk you out of the Jesus that you know, that you love, that, that you know he loved you. They can't talk you out of that because you've experienced his transformational love. Thank you, that will help. Thank you. Sometimes the best laid plans aren't always the good ones, huh? All right. So, this man needed help, he was in a desperate way. And so, we're kind of going vicarious in the scripture because as I talk about through the blessing season, don't just look at a Bible character and think, it was that time and place, yes it was. But how do you know that this story is still relevant for us? There are life principles in God's word that are transformational, that help us to be that living transformed every single day. I find it interesting, and I can truly, I can truly appreciate this uh, coming out of the blessing season. When this man needed help, where did he go? He went to the most generous people on the planet. It should be the gathering of Jesus. 
the people of Jesus. How many of you know that generosity should mark our lives? It is. I, I had an experience this week. I need to unload my pockets here. They're bothering me a little bit. Um, good catch, Blue. Um, I, I was, I was say, not to be too personal, but I was in the shower this week and I just felt the Spirit prompting me to do something for someone, not at that moment, clothed and in my right mind, of course, but I felt prompted later on to do something and I know it was a God thing because it wouldn't go away, it wouldn't go away, and I don't know what the rest of the story is, but I just know this, at least in that case, I was obedient. I'm not always, I've missed them, have you ever? I've ignored it, I thought, you know, whatever, but, but that was just a case where it, it applies right here. So he went to where people were generous, and that's what generous people do. So what I wanna say is that loving God and loving people, it starts with loving God, and that leads you to deeper levels of loving people, and that's what's life transforming. But here's the differentiating key that I think our culture misses. When we love people, our love, our love is not transformational. Do you understand that? And we don't have an unlimited amount of love to give. So what we do when we go palms up and we say yes to him as our Savior and Lord, we ask him to fill us with, with our hearts and lives with his love, and then we just want it to flow through us and we give his love away. How many know it's his love that's transformational? It's his love that enables us to forgive. It's his love that enables us to love those that are unlovable. Because his love is not diminished. I mean, whatever we give away, it's just filled up to overflowing. You got that? All the time, full time. So it's God's love. When, when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, for example, about the love of, we think it's, it's about, we read it at weddings a lot, and, and we think that's about our love, but really all those things, it's God's love is unstoppable. God's love doesn't keep track of the sins of others. Do you understand that? We become vessels, we become God's love, we become grace distributors. He pours it in and then we give it away. And we can give it away because there's gonna be automatically replenished and then some. Nod your head if you're with me. His love never runs out, never runs short, never quits giving. So that's what these disciples were, were showing. So the change. Um, that's what we're talking about in this series, living transformed. It's, it's, it's heart change. It's heart change. It's changed from the inside out, not circumstantial from the, from the outside in. I know that that life is made up of seasons and, and they come and go and here we've come through the blessing season and a lot of you have, have been dealing with some New Year's resolutions, although a lot of you don't like to call those that anymore, but, but they're good, but how many of you know they're only good when you follow through? I, Dixie and I had occasion to be on the east side of town at a particular time and oh my, was Planet Fitness packed out. I mean, you couldn't even get to the store you wanted to go to because everybody was there. I guarantee you to go back in a month, it'll be thinned out, won't it? And you know who you are. You've been using your exercise equipment for hanging clothes for so many years you can't even find it. That's what happens. And a lot of us have good intentions but we never follow through. Why haven't they been kept? Well, maybe you didn't start planning ahead of time because their choices, their disciplines, or, or maybe, maybe your, your goal is too small or, or your aim too low or, or, or maybe you're asking too little of yourself or asking too small of God. I don't know what it is. But I know in this story that God's design was that he wanted to bring massive change into this man's life. And it's not just about then and there, it's about now, it's about here. He wants to bring massive change into your life and through your life to touch others. I don't know that this man had much concept or understanding at all of a personal God in that day and time, but I know this, that through that experience, he became a different man, a new man, with a whole new sense of direction. 
But you know what? As I read the story, and I love the stories of God's word, he almost missed it because he was asking for what he wanted, but not, he didn't ask for what he really needed. Are you with me on that? And I think sometimes that's what we do. He almost missed it. He was almost willing to settle for some alms, some spare change that he would quickly spend. He was asking for something temporary when God wanted him to have something permanent. Would a few alms, would have that changed his life in the direction? No, most likely it would not have. It brings me to this key point. It's just that I want you to write on the flyleaf of your mind. It could be that the change you need may not be the change that you want. Have you ever had that? You wanted the gift, but you didn't like the package it came in. Come on. I stress throughout the year that many times our wants and our needs are two nearly totally different things. I read the story again and I think about the importance, the simple thing of noticing the needs around us, noticing the needs within us, coming to realize that we have needs before they can be addressed. As I read through the story, it was Peter and John, and maybe I think probably it was John that actually noticed the man, and then Peter acted, but it was a team effort. Why? Because they were going together. And when you're ministering together, when you're touching people's lives together, as family, as couples, as whatever, friends, group, whatever it may be, how many of you know that it's like having eyes all around in the back of our head? We can notice needs much more substantially. What if they hadn't noticed this man? What if they would have fallen on deaf ears? They would have just passed them by. We wouldn't be talking about it today, would we? But God had a purpose in it. They would have gone to the temple. They would have died. At the ninth hour, they would have prayed. They would have gone home. Just another normal day, a normal day, a normal day. But how many of you know, know that God works in the context of normal days best? Do you know that's true? When we least expect it, how many of you know that's when God shows up? I wonder sometimes how many times we fail to notice and we miss out on miracles because of that. I wonder, I'm not accusing, I just wonder. I just wonder. Is that because we're just so distracted with life? I mean, whatever. Are you missing out? I just want you to rattle that around in your mind for a little bit. What's happening in the lives of people that we often pass, that we work with, that we interact with? Take time to notice their needs. Take time to be in your day and say, Holy Spirit, you're in me and live through me today, and I want you to help me to notice what I can do to make a difference in somebody's life. I wanna have a keen sense of awareness, Lord. I wanna hear the gentle whisper of your spirit. I wonder what's happening. You know, I, I've been thinking lately and praying this way, Lord, could, could you give me spirit eyes and spirit senses? Does that make sense, you know, all of our senses? May my senses come alive, not just during a blessing season, but may I live in that zone. So this man, back to the story, I'm gonna keep going back to it, but, but it, it, was, it was this brokenness of his life, physical brokenness, probably emotional brokenness and circumstances. They had authority. They had this man in their grip. Now Peter, as the story goes, offered him the right hand, as the scriptures say, but the man had to grasp his hand, and Peter might have pulled, but this man had to stand up and walk. He's got the power, 
but you've got to be willing to grasp his hand. You've got to be willing to get up. Have you ever tried to pull somebody up off the floor, even a kid who doesn't want to be pulled up off the floor? They just kind of scoot on their hiney, you know what I'm talking about? You go in circles and you don't make any progress. We think it's funny when we see little kids do it, but how many of you know it doesn't look so good when we do it that as adults? We need to cooperate with him, if you will. Um, miracles happen in the context I'm trying to tell from this story, in the, in the context of normal days. Just when they were going through the discipline of their prayer, the ritualistic prayer, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not demeaning that, but that was where God interrupted their lives. Maybe I could say it this way. I'm, I'm talking about change. I'm talking about instituting some good discipline. The Bible says, I, I forget the reference, but it said discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness because I wanna tell you this is true. Healthy habits open your heart and life to holy moments. Did you get that? Healthy habits that aren't glamorous all the time but they open the door of opportunity many times for, for, for holy moments. They were on their way to pray and God interrupted them all in the context of that normal day. I wanna suggest to you, and I, I think some of you need to go back and fan the memory file and look where you've been and what God's done in your life and you'll find that some of the breakthroughs come out of ordinary days you don't have to be totally in the pit. You don't have to be on the pinnacle. You just never know in all of life. But I know this, when God interrupted, isn't this horrible? Evidently, they never even made it to the prayer meeting. Huh? They just kind of had one on the spot. I, they, that probably, that might have originated the pray now moment. I'm not sure. They never made it. They never made it. But I'm suggesting at the start of a new year that that's why, and that's why we're doing the overflow, 21 Jumpstart. We're trying to get the word in us on a regular basis because as we tune into him and he works in us, we're gonna encounter, doors are gonna be open for holy moments that are gonna truly amaze us. And I would say that faithfulness always leads to opportunity. Anybody ever heard of Bill Gaither? Okay, he's, he's, he's probably well up in his 80s now. What a remarkable influence he's been in music. But I remember two times. I remember when he came to Olivet when I was there at the university to speak, not to sing. I had a piano out there. And, and I remember him sitting down and said, I just wrote a new little tune. And, and afterwards, I went up to the piano on stage there in Chapman Hall and, and, uh, and I, got the, I kept the paper that he wrote a now familiar chorus of when he was just writing it. But the second time, I don't remember what he talked about so much, but when he came to Mount Vernon University when I was there as a student, I, I, I just remember he said this. He said, I want you to know, college students, that if you'll prepare, if you'll plan, and if, you'll, if, if, you, if you will truly discipline yourself prepare, God will always cause it to intersect with opportunity. Are you with me on that? Those were wise words spoken, and that's true. Spiritual disciplines, getting God's word in our hearts, that's a part of living transformed. That's our preparation. That gets us in tune and in step with the spirit so that we can sense his activity in and through our lives. And he will open doors of opportunity just like in this story that I've been telling you about. Breakthroughs come often out of ordinary days when we're practicing spiritual disciplines because we feel prompted by God's spirit to do just that. I'll say it again, faithfulness opens the door of opportunity. How could I illustrate it? Uh, all the football going on now, college finals and then, and then the playoffs coming up. And have you, ever, have you ever thought about the pressure on a field goal kicker? I mean, I'm serious. 
if time was running out and we were down, you know, two points and a field goal, I would probably swing and miss. And I go, I thought it was three strikes and you're out. But why, why can they perform in a pressure situation? And you could, you could take that in so many situations of life. But how can they perform? Because they do it thousands and thousands and thousands of times before they get the opportunity to step on the field with all eyes upon them to win or lose a game. Are you with me? It's that faithfulness over time. In fact, you can read all kinds of stats to say if you want to be an expert at anything, when you invest 10,000 hours in it, you, you become a pro at that one thing, whatever. Oh, I no, you add it up. It won't be near 10,000 hours that you've spent. So it was, it was in those daily disciplines that opened the door of opportunity. So they went to the temple together. They always went at least out two by two. I've, I've, I've alluded to that before. That's the way of Jesus because he knows. That's another example, a pull-out example. He knows there's just something about doing life together. He just knows that we need to be connected. You need to be connected. One of the worst things we do spiritually when we get in a tough time is isolate. You hear me? Isolate, isolate. That's one of the worst things we do. Well, Jesus isolated, yeah, but it was for a directed time and it was for a specific purpose. And that was so that when he came out of isolation, he could be renewed and do what, he wanted, do what the Father wanted him to do. They went out together. Um, in this journey, alone and together, we live in the world, the Bible says, but we're not of the world. And so be different, the challenge is to be different in this world, to make a difference and impact others. What do we have to do? I wanna remind you that the world doesn't have cooties. You can't turn your back and pretend you're already in heaven. Wouldn't that be nice that we could live like it's heaven? We're not in heaven yet. And so therefore, we're gonna have to deal with all kinds of people and situations and we cannot ignore. But here's the, here's, the, here's the example. When I read that scripture, I think about the other extreme is this. If you live like the world, you have nothing to offer the world. So that's why the Bible says you need to live in it, but don't be of it. Don't have the same values of the world. So God says in his word, he's teaching us this principle. There is safety in numbers. There's greater strength when we come together, and that comes from walking in unity and harmony. Peter and John had that, and God's spirit used them to make a huge difference. There must be relationships and community. The choice. The lame man was healed, and the Bible says that he held on to them, and he stayed with them, and what happened? His friends came running, but his friends, I, we don't know how, they got, how he got there. We know other stories of the Bible that friends took the man into the roof to, to be let down through, but probably friends or family brought them there, but how many of you know that there are times when they can only take us so far, and we need more? How about your friends? How about your relationships? I believe the scripture is suggesting that we need the right they or theys around us. Huh? Those are gonna lift us up and encourage us. I want you to think about this. This is a hard truth, but I want you to just think about it. It may take new relationships to get you to new places, to the place where the God's spirit wants you to go. Have you thought about that? Your relationships are impacting your spiritual progress, your forward spiritual progress, whether you know it or not. Maybe there need to be some changes there. There may be some people who cut you off when you go God's way because you've changed. Be bold because they need to see change in you. Whether they know it or not, they need change as well. Will you be a specific example, a consistent example before them? 
Would you evaluate relationships? Don't wobble and cave to our culture, to this world. Take a stand. And could I remind you that when you take a stand, it won't always be popular and there will be opposition. But I want you to know, read God's word from cover to cover. How many of you know that opposition is usually good? Huh? That means you're doing something. That means they're noticing change. Something in your life is probably making them uncomfortable. And you say, well, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to be upset. Well, the people that are always gonna be upset that you're worried about, they're gonna be upset about something, so why don't you give them a reason to be upset? Why don't you do the right thing and let them be upset about the right thing? Are you with me on that? We're controlled by all the people. Oh, they're gonna be upset if I do this right. Do what God wants. They're gonna be upset anyway, and who knows how God can work through your obedience without wobbling, without caving. Make the choice. Make the choice. Verse eight of chapter three again says that after this man experienced this touch, so he leaping up, leaping up, can you see that? Um, that's what Charlie Brown will do when I get home after second service day, he'll leap up, he'll leap up repeatedly and want me to, to pick him up. Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God for all and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Do you understand what a powerful witness your story is? They're gonna see, they're gonna be truly amazed. He received this man, God's healing touch, God's grace, his unmerited favor, and his spiritual eyes were open and he was instantly changed and there he was. And the first order of the day was to be a praiser, to be a worshiper of God. How do you know that worship is really contagious and really powerful impacting others? If your life, if you're walking straight after you, come, after you land, you follow me? I mean, it's one thing to jump up and down and praise, but it's another thing to walk straight into the world when you come down. You keep walking it. You keep walking it. So what God has done for you, the, the thing that he's revealed to you, that becomes very evident in your praise and your worship. As I said, he'd experienced God's grace. His eyes were open, and he had passion. He was looking for money. He was looking for some change, but God gave him mobility and he brought him life change. It was all over him and he couldn't contain it. I'm gonna tell you, when God turns you inside out and right side up, you can't get over it. I, you know, we talk about going the cross like, oh yeah, yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus. No, I, I, we never wanna minimize it. I mean, we're talking about life change. You'll never be the same when you say yes to a relationship and you start walking with him as we talked about on Thursday night. It's a journey. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. When you give him all of you, and not just a portion, not just your sin, but when you give him yourself, God begins to work powerfully through that. Well, what a story. New eyes, new perspective, and I don't think that man cared anymore what they thought, whoever they were. How, many, how much of your life is dominated by what you think they, somebody may think? Wow. He was determined to live this life of praise. As I said, he couldn't contain it. It was natural. And he kept on, even in the face of persecution that was to follow, because the powers that be didn't like it. In fact, that miracle was one, if you could read on, that actually put John and Peter in prison. And I believe that that man stood with him all the way. I was reminded of another story as we round the corner here, that you remember the, the story in uh, Luke 7. And I, I have verse 47 there, but it reminds me of that story that, that she came in to wash the feet of Jesus. I just heard Cece uh, sing that alabaster box song this, this, uh, this week. 
powerful. But I love that verse in 47 that says, I tell you, Jesus referring to that woman that everybody was condemning, he said, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown much love. But a person who has forgiven little only shows little love. A person who has forgiven little only shows little love. I've been quoting recently my former pastor of many years, J.K. Warwick, he said something like this, if you could just forget everything, I guess you'd never have to practice forgiveness. But we do, we do. But it's God's love and God's power in us and through us that enables it. Well, let me wrap this up and we're gonna continue to worship God. God's grace wants to show up in you and through you in the way you live and the choices you make in the changes that he will allow him to bring. It's a God's source natural thing. You keep showing up. Will you in this year, that could be a part of your discipline. I'm gonna keep showing up and I'm gonna keep loving and serving and forgiving and returning and giving whatever it is. I'm gonna be like the psalmist in the message paraphrase in Psalm 45, 1, 8 that says, my heart burst its banks, spilling beauty and goodness. I can't contain it. That man could not contain the joy. How about you? Do you need another joy, dose of joy? Have you forgotten? Have you forgotten about your trip to the cross when Jesus said, forgiven, now go and sin no more? You were filled. Were you, were you filled at that time with overflowing praise? You couldn't thank him enough? How could you not surrender to a God like that? A takeaway from this story is that just as it did there, he, but, but so in our lives, God uses your praise to touch others. We're pointing and praising. We're not worshiping, we're not praising to draw attention to us. We're pointing to him, regardless of the circumstances. So as we mentioned earlier, as Deb walks through this great loss in her family, what will be most evident, a lot of us can relate to losing someone tragically, suddenly, but I guarantee you that her life will point in praise and that other people will be looking. You understand that? When we're pointing and praising, people are gonna start looking up. They're not gonna start looking up, they're gonna go, what are you looking at? Who are you praising? That's powerful witness, especially in the midst of regular circumstances, just like Peter and John. Well, Acts 4, 4 says, but many of the people who heard their message the powerful witness, believed it. And so the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Does anybody believe in those kind of miracles? I do, because it's contagious. God wants to use your life. The Bible implies this, the church grew exponentially. Peter and John noticed the need. They extended the right hand of authority. The man chose to grasp his hand and get up. His eyes were open to the grace of God. He began to praise, couldn't be stopped. Peter preached and people were saved. I believe that's still what God wants to do. Would you just thank him in advance for what he's gonna do in your life as you get these spiritual disciplines in place, as you make a decision that you're gonna be living transformed at all times? Would you just make a decision to praise him in advance because he's gonna use you? What a way to start this new year, living transformed. Thank him for what he's done, but thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for what he's going to do. Have you heard this verse before? I'm stuck on it, Philippians 2.13. How can this be? Because God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do you have any takers out there? That's true in this new year going forward. God will give us the desire to do what pleases him.
God doesn't work, want to work on you. He wants to work in you. There's a difference. The church used to be, we want to work on you. We want to make these changes outside in. No, no. God wants to make the changes inside that'll work their way out. But he's looking for surrendered people that are willing to grasp that hand of help and get up. I'll close with this. Thursday night, I just touched on that, an idea that I got from a little devotional from Nikki Gumbel that after Satan appeared in the garden and deceived Eve and, and Adam as well, and we, we think about that, and he, he was accusing God and questioning God, but the second thing was, the big thing that God asked, he said, this is so touching to me. After they blatantly rebelled and did exactly what God told them not to do, the one thing, God came looking for them. And what did he say? What did he say? Where are you? Where are you? And that's what he's saying for us today, I believe it, as we, as we, as we wrap this up. He's saying, where are you? No matter where you've been, what you've done, he's saying, I'm calling you by name. Um, if I was lost as a kid, I could hear my dad or my mom or my brothers or sister calling out, Nathan, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And they weren't there to yell and scream at me. They were there to identify me so, so, I, so I could find my way to them. Are you with me on that? As I said last week, you're not unlovable, you're not unusable. The message that I felt prompting my heart is God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, and he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants to work transformationally in and through your life from the inside out. So we welcome God's word, do we not? And say, transform me. Father, thank you so much for your stubborn love that never lets us go, that pursues us. And I pray that we would surrender and say yes. I pray that we would, we would take away from this story just the, the need to be connected to each other and the fact that you want to do amazing things in just in the routine of a normal day that come out of obedience, being sensitive to your spirit. Lord, I, I pray that we'll, we'll, we'll give time and thought to discipline, spiritual disciplines about getting your word in us, not just for 21 days, but beyond, to say, Lord, I'm just gonna keep putting it in because I believe your word is living and active and it's gonna be transformational in me. So Father, just as this man was amazed by your grace and his life was changed, this lame man, our, we have been changed by the power of your grace when we've received you. Some have not yet, but they're on the verge, on the cusp of saying yes to a relationship with Jesus. I pray that our response would be praise and worship and that our worship of you would be attractive and appealing to others. It would be contagious and it would spread like wildfire. And we pray again that this year we would see many people come to faith because they see the reality of Jesus in our lives, living it out as humans, humans, living it out faithfully, looking for opportunities to extend your grace, to be grace distributors. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. We wanna worship you now, we wanna praise you, we wanna honor you in all things, we love you. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said,